If your toddler has been diagnosed with autism or is waiting for a diagnosis, you're going to want to pay attention for the next 60 seconds. Happy Ladders is parent-led early autism therapy that empowers you, the parent, to teach your toddler essential developmental skills through play. Studies have shown that the parent-led model is highly effective while eliminating frustration over long wait lists or the worry about losing precious developmental time, all without the disruption of people coming into your home. Happy Ladders includes activities that target 150 essential developmental skills every toddler needs, as well as assessments in four different developmental areas. There's also an exclusive community of parents just like you and professional coaching to ensure success for both you and your toddler. To learn more, get a free trial, and take advantage of an exclusive limited-time offer for my listeners, visit happyladders.com. That's H-A-P-P-Y-L-A-D-D-E-R-S. Use the code THEAUTISMDAD at checkout to save 50% off the monthly membership. Plus, get a free one-on-one session as well as access to the Tantrums and Meltdown mini course. This is a limited time offer, so act now. If your toddler has been diagnosed with autism or is waiting for a diagnosis, you're going to want to pay attention for the next 60 seconds. Happy Ladders is parent-led early autism therapy that empowers you, the parent, to teach your toddler essential developmental skills through play. Studies have shown that the parent-led model is highly effective while eliminating frustration over long wait lists or the worry about losing precious developmental time, all without the disruption of people coming into your home. Happy Ladders includes activities that target 150 essential developmental skills every toddler needs, as well as assessments in four different developmental areas. There's also an exclusive community of parents just like you and professional coaching to ensure success for both you and your toddler. To learn more, get a free trial, and take advantage of an exclusive limited-time offer for my listeners, visit happyladders.com. That's H-A-P-P-Y-L-A-D-D-E-R-S. Use the code THEAUTISMDAD at checkout to save 50% off the monthly membership. Plus, get a free one-on-one session as well as access to the Tantrums and Meltdown mini course. This is a limited-time offer, so act now. Hey, what's up, folks? My name is Rob Gorski, and you're listening to the Autism Dead podcast. I want to thank you again for taking the time to tune in. I do appreciate that. And uh, I am really excited today because I'm, I'm launching a new series uh, on the podcast called Parent to Parent. And, well, maybe Parent to Parent. I, I don't know what I'm going to call it. But for right now, we're just going to call it Parent to Parent. Um, when you do a podcast or an interview in really any form, there's research and, and time that goes into prepping for things like that. So, you kind of know about the person before you bring them on the show and before you, you, uh, you know, have your conversation and it's, it's kind of scripted and kind of runs on a track and, and it just kind of is what it is. It's informative and, uh, you know, it's important and it's helpful and people like it, but I wanted to do something a little bit different. I want to start meeting special needs parents and, and I want to do it in a way that is, is real and transparent and raw and unfiltered. And so what I'm doing is I am uh, connecting with parents, bringing them on the show, and we're going to meet each other for the first time. We're going to talk about our lives, the things that we have in common, uh, the struggles that maybe they face, and 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 just get to know each other. And it's it's a really cool experience because, you know, for me personally, like I'm going into this blind. They know more about me than I know about them. And aside from just kind of vetting them, briefly just to make sure they are who they say they are. Uh, these conversations really have no, there, there's no script for it. I, ha- I have a list of questions um, that in a few that I've recorded already, we never really get to because the conversation just kind of flows naturally. And the whole point of this is to, to help you guys realize that 
every special needs family is different, right? We, we may have autistic kids or kids with Down syndrome or whatever the deal is, but our families and our kids are unique and they're beautiful and they're special. And the challenges that we face are, are just as unique. A lot of times we can become very isolated. We feel very much alone. Uh, maybe, maybe there aren't really people in your life who, you know, really truly understand what you're going through. And so I want to introduce you to people who, who get it. And when you listen to this, you know, you may be like, oh my God, like I totally relate to what they're going through. And that's really powerful. You know, knowing that you're not alone, having your feelings validated is, is so powerful. So again, these are unscripted. Um, they are probably going to be colorful in language. So just pay attention to the rating of the episode before you listen to it, just so that you're aware. And uh, I think this is going to be a lot of fun. So uh, my guest today is Wendy Valente, and uh, she's a special needs mom. And at this point in time, that's really about all I know. So we're going to go into this conversation and uh, in a few minutes and get to know Wendy and learn about her family and, you know, maybe what she does for a living and some of the challenges uh, that her family is facing, whether it's related to COVID or you know, remote learning or schooling or whatever, whatever it is, we're going to talk about it. So uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back after this quick commercial break. Uh, and we're back. And um, I have Wendy Valenti, Valente, right? Either one is fine. Either one is fine. We were discussing this. <laughs> Valente. I was, I, yeah, I had it right the first time and then I, I butchered it the second time. So my apologies. Wendy Valente is here and uh, we're having just a parent to parent conversation um, you know, kind of getting to know each other as parents and learn kind of what our journeys have been like. And, and, you know, hopefully a lot of you can relate to this. So Wendy, thank you very much for taking the time to come on the show. Uh, well, can you start out by just kind of telling us a little bit about yourself? So again, I'm Wendy Valenti and I am an interior designer, but I'm also a mom to three girls my oldest is autistic. She's also ADHD. And then our youngest are twins and they're almost four. So uh, in a nutshell, that's that's us and the crazy shit show that is the Valenti household. <laughs> there you go. Um, that's funny. Uh, yeah. I, I can, I, well, I can totally re- relate to that. Uh, well, mine is the twins. I don't have twins. <laughs> um, okay. So, so you, you have one child with autism, right? That's right. How, how was like, how did you, how did you know to look for something or have them diagnosed? Like, did you notice so, something? We had some behavioral challenges. Um, transitions were, and still are a big problem for us. Um, but it was really the school. So she's in public school and she's actually in person right now. Um, I know we're, we're fortunate and blessed. She's doing fantastic. So I'm going to, I'm going to roll with it as she's happy with it. (laughs) She was diagnosed, um, really by her teachers, her pre-K four teacher mentioned Asperger's to me. And to be completely honest, I was angry with her. She had known my daughter for maybe one month. 
My daughter had been in a preschool prior to this for a couple of months before we moved to our home now. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, who the heck do you think you are? You have no idea anything about my daughter. So I looked into it, obviously, because I'm a, you know, knowledge is power person. I look into it and I'm just like, you know, that's really not my child. But there definitely are some challenges that are not what we would consider neurotypical. So I, so she went to kindergarten and it was in November. They mentioned it to me again about getting her evaluated by a developmental pediatrician. So I was like, okay, fine. You guys are two totally different people as well. So different teachers, this was a special ed teacher now. And I'm like, fine, I'm just going to go. We're going to prove them wrong. And even the developmental pediatrician felt that she was not autistic. I was attributing this to like anxiety Mm -hmm. or something else, but I wasn't really thinking it was autism, though I didn't really know anything about it. So we got her evaluated and she was in fact autistic. Well, that leads you down a whole rabbit hole of information overload and you're contacting tons of different places. And you're, for me, I was getting absolutely nowhere. I spent an hour on the phone with insurance companies to find absolutely no one in my area to do like ABA therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, No one would ever like kind of get back to you or um, help you get to the next step in your autism journey. So I was just really frustrated. I personally have a lot on my plate with twins and a child with autism and I'm, and I'm a creative. So how the heck am I going to help her? And I need to help her now, not whenever these people want to get back to me or hundreds of thousands of dollars later after I've paid out of pocket for therapies. I just needed to find my own way of helping her. So that's kind of where it kind of snowballed into because I do interior design. So I had to go that route. <laughs> I, I can relate to, to, to what that was like, but in my case, it was sort of the opposite where we had um, an autism diagnosis and the teachers were telling us that it was wrong, that, you know, he didn't appear to be autistic. He didn't look autistic, which always irks me. He doesn't look autistic. And, and I, you know, you know, I always tell people (laughs) like, I, I, I don't know if they mean that in a way that is not supposed to be offensive, but I don't know. I don't know how to not be offended when someone says, Oh, they don't look autistic because I've just sort of resorted to, especially online. It's like, well, you know, I mean, you don't look like an asshole that would make a comment like that, but I mean, here we are. You know, I mean, like, I don't, I don't know yeah. what does a person with autism look like? I mean, are we talking like Rain Man where we're just like living in this world of, you know, stereotypical TV and Pretty movie much. kind of. I think uh, that's exactly what it is because most people, they, unless a person with autism is in their life, they have no idea what that is, what that means uh, and how to like properly go about that person. Yeah. And it, and it was, it was frustrating because while like 
you know, you were fighting to get a diagnosis and to get help. We had the diagnosis and we couldn't get the teachers in the school to acknowledge it. And in fact, when, you know, I, I pushed and pushed and pushed because I, I don't like taking no for an answer when it comes to my kids. And, and I've learned that, uh, you know, especially when you're dealing with special needs kids, you, you have to push a lot of times. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, I, uh, I, I pushed and I advocated and I'm like, look, you know, he, he does this because he's autistic. He's very high functioning, but I mean, these are behavioral things that, I mean, I already had two other kids who were diagnosed. And so I, I, I kind of understand what to look for. Right. And, uh, they ended up disenroll, like dis disenrolling isn't a word, but, but basically telling us not to bring him back next year because they, they felt that they couldn't serve uh him in the way that he deserved to be i don't know educated i guess but but which pissed me off because yeah you're telling me that we're overreacting everything is fine and then turns around and you tell me you can't educate him because he needs you know higher quality or higher specialized care or some nonsense like then they that. need to hire somebody who's more qualified than they are apparently yeah and this was this was a this was a this was a parochial school um that we were like, they sought us out and invited us to send him there. You know, we'd been in public schools and then, and then to turn somebody away like that, I thought, I don't know, like, I'm not, I'm not super religious, but I, I kind of feel like that goes against like everything that they're supposed to be doing. Like, so, yeah. so it was easier just to move him to his new school where he's been at ever since. And, you know, he does awesome because it's designed for, you know, kids on the spectrum and ADHD and stuff like that. So, but that is interesting that, that j just sort of the, the same yeah, kind of struggle, but from different, um, kind of different angles. Uh, yeah. how, how has being an autism parent changed your life? If, if you noticed that it's sort of, um, affected who you are as a person and a, and a parent? Yes. I'm definitely more patient. I, um, I, I seek the solutions instead of focusing on the problems um, best I can. I mean, life is insane. And um, each one of my children has, you know, their own specific needs, regardless of autism. Um, so really this, this has completely changed what I do. So because I've been searching for ways to help my child uh, and in the way that I know how, I've shifted my entire business of interior design to designing interiors for people with autism. Um, during my research, I realized there was not a whole lot like geared towards the parents. Like there might be sensory products, but it's deeper than that. Um, if you have a child who seeks out those things, then great. But if you don't, then we're having, you're, you're buying things that don't work for your child mm -hmm. just because it might say sensory on it. Um, we, we really do need to rethink how we design a space, especially for these people. Um, so I, you know, I could be doing, you know, children, but really everything in between. 
Um, because it's about autism, it's not about being young or old or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do need to rethink what we're doing. And we do need to bring the people who are using this space into the equation. I talk to my daughter all the time, like, what do you want in here? You know, I ask her her opinion on colors. Um, I tell, you know, I keep her involved in the project because really I'm doing this for her. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing it for me. So I don't need to be designing it based on what I think it looks nice. It's what do you need from this space? So for instance, their bedroom, because they all share a bedroom, which is a nightmare, but they all demand it to be that way. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I get that. So the traditional way of designing the room is to personalize it, to put colors, to mm-hmm. really make it your own. But what I've realized is that's not making it a calming environment. When we have toys and we've got a thousand colors everywhere, that's exciting. Yeah. They don't want to go to sleep. They don't want to settle down and they're going to find reasons to stay up and play if their toys are in the room instead of that um the kind of schedule of going to bed. There are these certain things that you do that leads up to bedtime and then you are to go to sleep. So certain things like that is why I exist. Why this different type of idea. Not not that it hasn't been around for a long time, but it's definitely been geared towards um, commercial settings, group homes, um, larger facilities, not so much helping the parents create the home that they and their children or child need. I've, I've never heard of this. I, I've, I've seen, um, you know, sensory rooms and I've worked with companies that, um, you know, design sensory spaces and autism friendly spaces at like airports. We, right before COVID sort of set the world on fire, we, uh, we were in Florida. We, I, I mean, the kids drove to Florida to test out, um, a hotel that had just become autism certified. And so they had, you know, special kind of amenities that were specifically geared to make it more accessible and friendly and uh, stuff for autistic kids and adults and families and whatever. But I've never seen this done in the home. And it's really funny because you, you're talking about like my two youngest share room, they have bunk beds and it's, it's a smaller room, but they, they claim to feel more comfortable when it's messy. And I, like I call kind of bullshit on that be only because there's, you know, they're autistic, but they're also kids Yeah, and kids are lazy and kids don't want to clean up the room. And, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to provide them with like that calming environment where they can just, you know, go into this space and, and just relax or listen to music or, um, my son just put up, um, uh, nano leaf, those, those led panels that you can control and and whatever. Mm -hmm. And, and so they can have kind of whatever colors they want on the wall then they can, you know, dim them down. And the whole point is there is such a need for what you were doing. And I don't know that people even realize that they need it. 
I don't think that they know that either. <laughs> do, you, do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, we search for like sensory items because it's that term that always sticks with us. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that'll be good for my child and that'll be good. But in in turn, if we're not doing it well, if we're not choosing the items, the colors, the textures, and even the like the layout of your furniture, if we're not doing that well, we're actually hurting the process. And and I and I do think I do think that when parents focus on sensory things like weighted blankets and fidget toys and all, all those things that are very helpful to kids. Yes. But we I don't know that we, we necessarily pay attention to the environment because the environment can have such an impact as well. I remember when my kids were first diagnosed and I was you know my oldest was diagnosed in two thousand five, so it feels like forever ago. And you know, it was forever ago. Um, my other two were diagnosed, I think it was like 2010 or 11, 12, something like that. Um, you know, we used to have to do like sensory diets because they would be so easily overwhelmed yes. and, and their, uh, psychiatrist and the therapist would be like, look, you need to try and make the room as kind of simple and as, as sort of unchaotic, not that that's a word, but remove the chaos, make, make it, yeah. make it a calming place where they can, you know, chill in a beanbag chair and, um, you know, maybe oh, they're not going to bother me today. That's awesome. <laughs> um, and, and, and so, so there was a big focus on the environment, you know? Yes. And, yep. and so I, I, I have never, I've never heard of anybody really specializing that in a, in a residential type environment. So that's, that's really cool. Um, what, what is the name of the company? Well, it's under live well designs okay. because I'm an interior designer. I specialize in a few different things. Uh-huh. Um, but this is designing interiors for autism. That's what my Facebook group is. I kind of funnel everybody there because that's where all of the good information is. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can interact, you can ask people within the group, um, you know, questions that you might have. Um, and I share just challenges. I share products. I share information. I might do a little educating on terms. Mm-hmm. Um, this week we've been talking about executive function and time management, things like that we've been talking about. Um, And I might throw out a product like, hey, this I think would work really well for helping with this challenge. Um, But there's always a way to work with me or talk to me um, and work with me further in in your project so that I can come in and help you. As an online um, platform, this is all going to be done virtually so I can reach more people across the nation Mm -hmm. um, and help them. But I wanted it primarily to get into the hands of the parents. And that has been um, even more so needed now that we've been spending all year at home. Um, (laughs) Of every day. Yes. And there's a lot of children who aren't able to go to school for various reasons. Um, and a lot of it is because they don't have a school to go to right now. They just cannot actually go. So I know more and more parents are having more and more struggles at home. So now is the time to be making these adjustments to 
help your child, but help with their self-regulation. And it also just helps with your sanity in the end by making good decisions and helping them. You're helping yourself and your whole family and creating just a better environment and life for everyone who lives there. And, and it's, uh, yeah. And, and that's, that's, that's fascinating that, that you have, um, sort of designed all of this around that because a lot of times we treat the symptoms of things rather than addressing the root cause. And if we can, you know, make the environment more sensory friendly or autism friendly or however, you know, people want to look at it, then, then you're helping your child to manage their own anxieties and, um, you know, whatever, whatever challenges they have, because they're in a space that's, that's more friendly and it's more, uh, yeah, so that, that's really awesome. So they'll, we'll, we'll definitely, um, link everybody to that in the show notes below so that they can, they can check that out because I've, I've not seen that myself before. And I've, I, I, looked, years now. I looked a lot and I could not find, um, I had a hard time finding any information really. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I'm more, um, uh, tailored to like specific words now that I'm learning and going, um, just so that we can get more of that information out there. Cause it is definitely needed. And every time I talk to somebody about that, they're like, that's fantastic. Like, I never knew that existed. There's so many people that need that. Um, and it's really, um, it's allowed me to connect with people that I otherwise would not have. Do you find it therapeutic for you? Yes. See like this, like what we're doing right now, like I started, well, this is only about a two, maybe two year and a half old, something like that. Uh, I started writing in 2010 and it, it, it started out as just an outlet for me. Right. And then it, and then it turned into this, this thing where it was helping other people and then it evolved into, okay, so I know that by doing this, I'm helping other people. And so I can help other people, you know, provide for my family and, um, you know, it helps me to process all the challenges in my life. Like I can write about it or we can talk about it and then I can put it down and walk away. And so I was, I was just wondering if that was sort of a similar thing for you. Um, I I mean, design comes naturally for me. It's been in my DNA since, you know, probably I was born, you know, I've always loved it, but I've had to make that shift, um, which just really allows me to better understand her Mm -hmm. talking to her. But I, I also, I have always felt like I was on a, I was meant for a greater path. And I do love helping other people. So this, I think is like that golden nugget of, of my life. You know, it's Mm -hmm. just, (laughs) I, I love it. I love that I'm helping other people. And I actually get just a little bit teary eyed when people like, thank me, thank you for giving me this information and sharing that with me. Like, this is so incredible. I really need this. Thank you so much. Like that. I'm going to cry. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That makes me feel like I, yes, I am on this, the right path. And there are so many people who need this information and they needed it months ago Mm -hmm. um, or years ago, you know, but I'm here now and I can help you now (laughs) with designing that home, but doing it the right way. Yeah. And it, Mm -hmm. and it, and it is, it's, it is so cool because I hear from people, um, 
you know, I'll get emails and messages from people that say like they were having the worst day ever. And then they read this article that I wrote about something I was personally struggling with. And they said that, you know, like, my God, like that helped me make it through the day because I realized that I'm not the only person who feels this way or, yes. you know, I'm, I'm not alone. And that's, that's so, I, I don't think people understand um, how powerful that is. And, right. and you're providing, you're providing something similar in, in, in a different way that I would never have, I would never have thought about that. And that, that's such a cool, that's such a cool thing that you're doing. Um, and so I imagine that the response that has been pretty good. Pretty good. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, I've been funneling people into the Facebook group for a, a while now, a, a lot more lately because I've been really just, uh, getting things finished on the back end, which always takes a million years for me. Um, but every time like I'm talking to people about it, you know, pretty genuinely in like a Facebook group or something, you know, some autism group. And I, you know, tell them about it, like, Hey, can I share this, you know, helpful resource with you? And I get them into the group. And I mean, the first time I did it, I think we had 55 people in a matter of two days get into the group. And I did it again recently. And I think we had something about 30 or more over the past, over like a couple of days. So it's, it's gaining traction. People are really starting to, um, understand and believe in it. Cool. Um, how, how has, how has being an autism parent and maybe, maybe it hasn't. So I guess I should word it differently. Has being an autism parent had an impact on relationships with family or friends or anything like that? Not really. Um, no, everybody, I think there was a few people within my husband's family who knew she was autistic before anybody else. We have a family of teachers on our hands um, and special ed as well. Cool. So they knew, they mentioned it to my husband who dismissed it. No, 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 there's nothing wrong with her. So when I found out about this, I was actually very angry with him. Because she did, in fact, have a diagnosis. They were, in fact, right. But we wasted two years of just frustration. We were, we were completely frustrated, didn't know what to do. But we could have known had we listened. Had we not been stubborn, which is what he is. Um, <laughs> that's okay. He knows. His whole family knows. They're all like it. <laughs> And so are my kids. Yay. <laughs> That's awesome. So I, I mean, that was like our, our biggest thing. Every, you know, his family totally know and understand and they're even helpful. That's good. Um, my family didn't really know anything about autism. So my mom started looking into it. It's been pretty accepting of it. And now my sister-in-law helps me with, um, with the Facebook group and she's starting to see signs in, um, her stepdaughter, who's my biological niece. And I'm able to help her in ways that, you know, and her daughter, their daughter is 10. Mm -hmm. So a few more years older than my daughter and a little bit late of a diagnosis, I would say, but it's better than not getting it. So I've been able to even just help them understand uh, her more. That that feels, 
I, you know, sometimes when we deal with all of these challenges, it can be, we can kind of get drowned out by the negative and the frustration and all of that stuff. And, and like, I, I always feel like it's so important to, to find a way to make something positive come out of our struggles. And, and I do that with the writing. I do that with talking to people like this and, and you find ways to do it, uh, by helping other people navigate and create environments for their kids that can be life altering. I mean, if you, if you, if your kid is, is overstimulated all the time and you can't figure out what's going on, but you walk into their bedroom and there's flashing lights everywhere and there's loud noises and, you know, chaotic design of, of, you know, toys everywhere or whatever. I mean, it's no wonder they're overwhelmed all the time. And so, but people don't, they don't know to recognize that. And you can use your experience to help them alter the course of what what they're doing. And that's, that's life altering. And that's got to feel good to do that. It does. It does feel good. I, I have been very blessed with the, the encouragement a friend from high school. I mean, I don't talk to her. It's been, I don't know, 20 something years. Um, and she, you know, I don't know anymore. I, I don't, don't know. even know how old I am. I don't um, even know what day it is to be honest with you. So. <laughs> right. There's that too. Um, and she just, you know, she saw an article. I just got published in a local paper about this. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Um, and so she commented and just said, like, this is incredible. You know, she used to work at a, a facility for autism and she's just like, you know, people need this. There's so many people. I'm, I'm so happy that you followed that path and that you're, you know, doing what you love, that you're inspired by, you know, so things like that, just a random comment on something telling me how much it's needed and how proud they are of me, how fantastic they think the whole thing is. And now I just can't get it out there fast enough. That's, that's awesome. Cause like yeah. on those days where it's really hard to sometimes like just get out of bed, um, yep. knowing and, and like, like it's always, I mean, it's en- not that it's not enough that you're doing awesome things for your kids. Right. Cause we all want to help our kids and we all love our kids, whatever. But it's, it's a little bit different when, when sort of outside forces kind of validate what you're doing and they make you, you feel like what you're doing, you have a greater purpose outside of just being an autism parent. Thank you. Does that, does that make sense? And it isn't like belittling, like, I love my kids. They they drive me fucking crazy. (laughs) They do. I, I see them right now. There's a gap. Is that what we're playing? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, they, I love them to pieces. I tell them all the time, like you guys drive me nuts and that's okay because I feel like it's a rite of passage, right? Like I, my, sorry, mom. Anyways. Uh, I always, I always have to apologize. She, she, you know, they, they always used to tell me like, you know, when you have kids, we're just going to sit back and just relish in you struggling with yours on occasion. Cause you know, I think I was a relatively easy child, but, but it's a rite of passage. Like I drove my parents nuts. My kids will drive me nuts. Their kids will drive them nuts. And I think it, it sort of helps us to, you know, I'll, I'll wait 
my whole life to have my kids experience what they put me through on a daily basis sometimes, you know, and I, I think it's, it's just kind of a cool thing. Yeah. What, like, what is a, well, let me start with this because typical doesn't even apply to anything anymore with COVID. So how has, yeah, <laughs> yeah it doesn't, uh, how has, has COVID impacted you guys? Um, gosh, I mean, <clears throat> being home from school was horrible. <laughs> uh, at first it was okay. Uh, we were doing what we could, but then it was constantly her in front of the computer mm -hmm. and that just doesn't work for her. Um, and I know, you know, I'm within my right to basically tell the teachers that's not going to happen. She's not going to do all of this work. I'm not going to fight her about this. You guys are going to have to suck it up somehow. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Um, but we, we were able to really just kind of slow down. I was involved in the chamber. Pete um, uh, was a PTO officer at our school. Um, there was always town events to do and sometimes after school activities we were busy mm. we were exhausted but then we were home we had no plans to go anywhere unless it was just because we wanted to be outside which we have you know great property to do that on um my husband was home all the time which allowed him to help more mm -hmm. He would make lunch or dinner because I was sitting here finishing up my course way back in April because I do have a course. That's what I get into people's hands to mm -hmm. um, teach them and they can do it with me. Um, but I was, you know, working late. I was still working during the day. I'm educating the kids during the day. And I had to do all three kids because my oldest demanded it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm teaching three-year-olds. ABCs, like, I don't know. They, they already knew them pretty much. Um, and I actually had a physical location just in town, which is a few minutes from me that all had to get ripped out and brought home. And so it, it's been a little nutty the first couple of months. I had to create my office. He had to create his office. We were in this space together. It was insanity. But now that the kids are back in school, they're doing fantastic. They love every second of it. Our oldest is finally like in a good place. She's getting hundreds on math tests. Mm -hmm. she, uh, um, she's even getting like 80s on spelling, which she does not do. We don't do spelling. We don't do reading. We have a hard time with all of that. So she's she's excited to go to school and that's not what it was like before we have better behaviors because of all of this too i was gonna say do you think that it's it's they appreciate it more once yeah. it was taken away they 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 know what it's like to to have to do school at home and yeah and it, i yeah. know i'm not the best teacher for her <laughs> there was i'm not a good teacher period was, yeah no <laughs> homeschooling was not an option for us. I never wanted that. Um, I, like, and I've done it all. 
Personally, mm-hmm. I was in private school, homeschooled, public school. I did all of it. But I feel that there was nothing wrong with the public school system. And mm-hmm. we live in upstate New York, and I feel that our education is pretty good up here. Mm-hmm. Um, so when she was home, learning on a computer or listening to me all the time, I don't want to listen to me after a while, you know? So I totally understand and appreciate, you know, sometimes her honesty. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Do you want me to teach you anymore? No. I said, good, because I don't want to either. (laughs) I I asked my son, I made chicken the other day and, and my two youngest loved it. And then my, my oldest is more profoundly impacted and he, he is, he is brutally honest to a fault. So don't ask him something if you can't take it. And I asked him, I'm like, what's the matter? You don't like it. He's like, no dad, it's disgusting. And I was like, God damn it. Like, thanks. I mean, I don't have feelings, right? Like you can just be like, Oh, you know, like I'm not in the mood for it. Can I just have something else? And then you can preserve, you know, like, I know it's not perfect, but geez, I'm I'm doing the best I can. It's disgusting. Cut me some slack. But you got to respect the, I mean, he, he was, he, he doesn't mean it in a way that's like, he doesn't mean it to be offensive. He just, he just says the truth because he doesn't know how to lie. And that's, I don't know. That's funny. It's funny now. It's a little bit upsetting then. The brutal honesty can hurt sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Oh, so you got, you guys are, you're in upstate New York. So New York is actually doing pretty, pretty good for the most part, I think, right? With COVID. Yes. We had gotten hit first because of New York city, which for us is about four hours away, mm-hmm. but you know how quickly that travels. We're an yes. hour from Albany. So everybody from the city goes to Albany on a regular basis. If not all of the country outskirts, which is where I live, we have a lot of people that come up from the city and have second homes in our area. So actually for a time, um, the area was very angry with the people <laughs> from the city. <laughs> Naturally, so we're a bunch of farmers out here. You know, we're the blue collar type of people that live in our area. Mm-hmm. So we're we have better chances of not spreading because everybody's out in a field. You're naturally socially distanced. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So um so yeah, we had gotten hit first. So our schools closed in March and then we were done. We were done until September. So it was six months or so for us where we were home kind of stuck um, and educating. We, I continued to educate through the summer. So mm-hmm. that way she wasn't uh, farther behind than I knew she already was. Yeah. Cause the- just, just doing my part. And it wasn't like a lot just something. And we even switched to like Kiwi boxes, which are so fun. And um, at the beginning of the year, our daughter had expressed um, a wanting to learn more about the world. Mm -hmm. So we got the Atlas box from Kiwi and we've learned about Japan, Egypt, and we're learning about Italy and Sweden just so fun, different things that she really enjoys and she remembers. What, what is that called? Kiwi. K-I-W-I, and I think it's dot co. It's a whole kit that just comes to you with activities, 
Uh, there's a couple different ones that you can choose from as well. Uh -huh. We've tried the regular, um, the green box, which is mechanical. Uh -huh. So we've built different things. We built a, a little Mars Land Rover. Um, oh, that's what cool. else have we built? Oh, so a claw. It's like a claw game thing. We did that. We've done a whole bunch of other things too. Um, so it comes with like these kits and all of the parts that you need, but it also comes with educational information in there. Mm -hmm. um, and for us right now, we're doing the Atlas. So we get new cards for our adventure book and like a little sticker that's like a passport stamp. It's really fun. We got a map and a little globe. So many fun things. What, and what for age? like 20 bucks. Well, that's not bad. What, what is there yeah, like an awesome. age, age group? They range from, I think, five, but they go up to at least 12. I think it's more the, geared towards the, the younger, elementary. Yeah. Yeah. But there, there might be. I, I don't look into the older ones because we're little here. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I'm, we're a little bit farther along. <sighs> um, what, what are some of the unique challenges that you guys face? And, and, and I want to preface this is like, I, I don't, when I, when I talk about the challenges that I face with my kids, it's not about blaming them for anything because they're just, kids, right? I mean, but, and but there, but there are challenges associated. There's, there's additional, uh, you know, work that needs to be done or additional stressors and things like that. And I just was wondering what, what you guys, uh, one of our biggest things is clothing. Mm. We have this morning, I barely got pants on my child. Oh, I can barely keep a shirt on her. Like she is half naked half the time. And for during the summer, I didn't care. We have a fence in the backyard. She could play out there, but we're just like, what the heck do we have to get to keep you clothed? I, my husband, he's gonna try again today because I feel like we go out frequently to buy her like the same thing. Mm -hmm. Pants. Um, we had to do like seamless underwear because there was a time we didn't want to wear underwear. Is that a thing? <laughs> yeah. I know seamless socks. I didn't know there was. Yeah. Um, I found them at Target. Really? Actually, a reasonable price at Target. They were the price of regular underwear where like the ones with the autism label on them are crazy expensive. And it's the same thing. Yeah. Much. Yeah. I, found them, yeah. I mean, Fruit of the Loom makes them at Target. Yeah. I didn't know that. Cause I know my youngest, you're talking about your daughter and that's my youngest. We're to the point where I got him. He, he wears shorts. He doesn't like wearing pants. Uh -huh. Um, he never wears a shirt. Like he'll, if we have to go outside or we have to go somewhere, he can put it on. He always calls it itchy or, um, yeah. the seams. He was just complaining the other day. I, you know, we do remote learning and I'm like, dude, you've got to put a shirt on. You cannot go to class without <laughs> yeah. a shirt on. And you're not going to hide under a blanket or wrap a towel around. My God, you're not going to wrap a towel around you. Just put a shirt on. It's yes. Not, I mean, like the rest of the day, you can do whatever you want to, but you cannot go to school half naked. Like it just yeah. isn't, it, it, that is not, they will turn it's, the camera yeah. on and it will be you not dressed. <laughs> I'm, we, you know, we've got to draw the line somewhere. 
Um, I had the same conversation with her. But he won't like he doesn't wear he doesn't wear shirts very often. He's always barefoot. Um, it was years that he wouldn't wear shoes and socks, and we would have to send him to school. In he went through a phase where it was he would only do flip flops, and then we're in Ohio. Well, you guys experience cold weather very similar yeah yeah and uh he would go to school in the winter with flip-flops and or crocs with no socks which to me seems i mean i think it would be more comfortable the other way but he uh you know we i mean he we didn't let him outside or anything like that it was just from the car to the building and the building to the car mm -hmm. uh but that's all he would wear and it was either that or he wouldn't go to school because you can't go barefoot and yeah. you know he he wears we were just talking. I actually, he's been wearing shoes for a few years now. Um, and during COVID we've been on lockdown for 224 days now. Cause my oldest is immunocompromised and, uh, he outgrew his shoes while we were in a place that I couldn't go to the store and him try them out on. Right. And, and so I have a box of shoes that we we've bought that he will wear once and be like, doesn't feel right. I'm like, what do you mean? It doesn't feel right. right? Like yep. we just, we, we tried on like 30 pairs of shoes and these are the ones you said you wanted because they felt good. And now you're not wearing them anymore. And it's like, uh, so we, we donate them. But I, I was terrified to order things online because I'm thinking like, Oh my God, there's no, there's no chance. But yeah, it took us like two hours to scroll through and find something that was aesthetically pleasing to him. It, it had to look a certain way. Mm -hmm. And and then he got them and it was, a, it was, it's been perfect. I should have said that. I'm going to knock on my desk here, but, but yeah, I mean, and so, so maybe part of the problem is that he's so indecisive that he always questions whatever decision he makes. And so it's not that the shoe is a problem. He wonders if the other shoe would have been a better choice. And with limiting the options, yes, it seemed to work out. And I've, I was totally blown away by that, but, but I yeah. get, I get what you're saying with the clothing. It's all sensory and it really is. And, and, and it's probing for more information. So she decided that she's going to constantly tell me that her hair hurt. This was something that she would say to me all the time. My hair hurts. I needed to pull her hair into a better ponytail. Uh -huh. I found that it was the hair touching her neck that yeah. was driving her crazy. So she wanted a really short haircut. We were uncomfortable with that. A lot of it was my husband being uncomfortable with that, you know, getting her hair cut too short. But after we got it cut and it still wasn't working. Now, mind you, I'm fixing her hair many times per day. Mm -hmm. finally I just said you know what she wants it cut short I can't do this anymore I can't fix her hair constantly and for her to complain over this like is it really worth it got her hair cut she's got you know really short hair here and longer up here up top and loves it that's cool I have not heard one complaint about the hair so something as weird as my hair hurts, it's an odd thing to say, but digging deeper, I found out what she meant by that. And then we fixed that problem. 
See, like with, with my kids, we've had to start doing haircuts here and mm-hmm. I will say I've gotten pretty good and I've, I've not cut hair. Like I shave my head and that's, that's my experience, but I'm doing these, these kind of tight fades and you know, um, the problem is they want their haircut, but if it doesn't get cut right, then it's a nightmare until it grows back. And so like when you're talking about your daughter's hair getting cut, my thought is like, oh my God, you get it cut and that wasn't going to be the problem. <laughs> and then it's going to be short and she's going to be like, oh my God, you know, and, and then it creates another problem because that's what I yeah. find. You create, I, I create plenty of problems trying to resolve an already existing yes. problem. And, yes. it, and it's this constant, you know, challenge to try and, you know, it's, it's a one step forward, three steps back kind of thing sometimes. Yeah. And then it becomes a triaging like, all right, so. I know if I do this, I can address this, but it's going to create this, this, and this, which one can I handle better? (laughs) Because, because at the end of the day, if I can't cope with it and I can't handle it, then it's going to be worse for everybody. So what's the lesser, what's the worst of all the bad ideas? And, you know, I'm glad that worked out for you guys. I was just, it was just, yeah. I mean, I gave her pictures to look at and be like, Mm -hmm. you know, what do you like? What do you want? You know, is this, you know, is this bothering your neck because I don't know, you're sweating or is it because your hair is touching your neck? And I, I mean, I knew what it was. So I knew that the only solution was to cut it. She wanted it like that anyway. So mm-hmm. that was good. You know, she chose that. I let her choose the, the haircut that she wanted, you know, the picture mm-hmm. and it was give, empowering her. Yeah. As I was going to say, you're empowering her. Yes. Giving her some control. And, and, you know, we have the same issue with food. Um, trying to get my kids, especially my youngest, he is so sensory oriented to try new things has been historically impossible. And I found that over the years through lots of trial and error and countless hundreds of dollars, way more than that in food that we buy because Mm -hmm. he thinks he's going to eat it and then never touches it. Um, the more that, the more that we involve him or the more that I involve him in creating things to eat, the more he's inclined to try it because he feels like he has some control over what, what it's going to taste like or the texture or things like that. And, um, it's sort of, I guess it's sort of a sneaky way to kind of get him to do things, but he's now, he now has his own pancake recipes and, and they're, they're good. Like they're really good. And he can use an electric skillet. Uh, I would not, would not let him use the stove, but my, my middle son is 14 and he has started using the stove. And so he can, uh, you know, bake like crescent rolls or something in the oven. And he is, his big thing is, is scrambled eggs right now. And so it's like, these are all things that they wouldn't eat before, but because they can make them. Then yeah, interesting or more personal, like, Ooh, I want to try that in there this time, you know? And again, it's still empowering them. And look at that. He created his own recipes. Mm Mm-hmm. So he could find a path in the culinary arts. I was just going to say that. Yeah. Things, you know, they really help you understand 
what makes your child unique? And then you can help them grow on those, on those interests. And then before you know it, we actually have a career path. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something that, that it's, it helps build self-esteem because it's, you know, he may have challenges in this part of his life, but, but he can make some fucking awesome pancakes that you would, you would, you would find. And like when I, when I would, when I, when I tried them the first time I, I was, I was hesitant because the first couple times he tried, it was not, you know, very good. And I won't be as brutally honest as they are to me. <laughs> yeah. That would last forever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and they don't forget things. No. <laughs> uh, but now t- he's got this thing where he, he makes them with hot chocolate and he makes them from scratch. And yeah. You could, if I was served them at like IHOP or something, I wouldn't think anything of it, you know, oh and gosh, he's 12 I years old. of putting hot cocoa in the pancakes. Hot that, chocolate. Oh my gosh. I just bought some. Now we're going to have to do that. My kids are huge fans of pancakes. <laughs> yeah. And, and he, they haven't got the cleanup part done like, at all. <laughs> and so I, I try to limit it because it's like, oh my God, you guys make such a mess, but it's also hard to discourage it at the same time because you know, you started doing this and now you're doing this and then it moves to this and, and, you know, they're, they're discovering things that they enjoy to do. And, and you, yes. like you said, you can kind of go down each rabbit hole, especially since we're locked in the house. Um, it's nice to, to, to sort of expand their, their sort of horizons and, and, and skill sets and things like that. So wh- whether they go down that as a career, it's a life skill and it promotes exactly. independence. I mean, you can cook for yourself without burning the house down. That is huge independence. I mean, it's so easy for us to make the decisions on their behalf, especially if they're nonverbal. Mm-hmm. Um, but we will find better and the best results if we incorporate them into the choices that we're making for them. Mm-hmm. But even like if you're redoing a room, like we recently did our living room, and I still consulted my daughter about it. I showed her the samples I was looking at, do you like these or what one do you like best? Um, because she has to live in the living room as well, mm-hmm. you know? And you don't want any sensory offensive things. Because I need, that yeah, right. Exactly. I need certain activities to take place in this room. So the colors, the layout, the textures all need to facilitate that activity, whether it's calming down or the opposite. It's getting the, um, getting the stimulation from the environment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think the lesson for anybody listening to this is, well, there's a lot of lessons, but if you have to walk away with one thing from this, it's that involve your kids in, in these processes, because yes. not only is it positive for them, it helps them have some control over their, the direction of their life, but you also can eliminate a huge amount of headache and, and personal, uh, you know, strife going forward by, by listening to your kids. And if, and if you find that, that a, a wall, like you paint the living room a certain color that drives them crazy, they may not recognize that it drives them crazy, but it creates turmoil, you know, and, and then, and then yeah, different, be- you know, uh, non unfavorable behaviors, yeah. meltdowns, and you might not know why follow their lead, you know, ask them. Yeah. It's a good message. Because our whole objective is to get them to be more independent so that at some point 
they're, they're able to comfortable living without you. Yeah. Living independently on their own or maybe with someone. Yeah. They, well, in my case, my, my oldest would, would have to be like in a group home setting. He has recently decided that he wants to move, to move out on his own. And, and I'm, I don't, I don't know how to take that. Like he was, he's glued to me all the time. And, right. and, uh, he's like, I don't, I don't want to live here anymore, dad. And I'm like, Oh, I don't know what to do with that. I mean, like you're 21 or almost 21. I, I think it's awesome that you want to do that. I mean, there is a huge amount of challenges that would have to be overcome in order to accommodate something like that. But my other two uh, are very, very high functioning. You might see them in a room and be like, Oh, I can see, you know, but most people don't, they wouldn't, they wouldn't pick right. up on those things. And I think they'll be, they'll be very successful in whatever they do. Uh, but promoting independence and personal growth. And, you know, I always feel like it's, it's important to challenge my kids without there's lines that you don't cross. Right. And, but if you don't challenge them, then you don't know, they don't know what they're capable of. Not, not even, I don't know what they, they don't know what they're capable of. Yes. And my oldest, uh, before, you know, COVID lockdown, um, he got, he was to the point where I could drive him. We could drive to the Walgreens on a corner. He could take in a $5 bill or a $10 bill, whatever, and go pick up a gallon of milk and pay the cashier, tell them how much change he's supposed to get back and then come back out. And the look on his face when he walks out of the store, uh, it, it's just such a sense of personal pride for him. Like it's an accomplishment yeah. and it makes him, there's some normalcy and I know people don't like normal, but like there is, people need a sense of normalcy. They need to feel like they fit in that, that they, they can do the same things that they see other people doing. And, yes. you know, and so we were building on all of those things when all of this stuff, you know, happened. Mm -hmm. uh, so, but yeah, I think it's a, that's an awesome message uh, for people to kind of take away from this. And my, my yeah. last question, well, my last question question is when is the last time that you and your husband did something nice for yourselves? Like self-care um, kind of do something nice for yourself to kind of preserve sanity and whatever. Um, whenever we can get like somebody to watch the kids, typically one of our mothers, then we'll go out. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't tell you when we did that last. <laughs> We no, we you know what we did do that during COVID because we did go to a local bar and they had like a new outdoor seating area, so we were yeah. able to go out and do that and just spend some time by ourselves. Um, I mean, on a regular basis for myself, I, I try to get up before everybody else and I get my workout in, whether that's Zumba or my yoga, and I'm just kind of ready and, and I'm, I get showered and ready before I have to wake up the circus. Yeah. And then that's, you know, another hour of fighting people to get out of bed, helping somebody get dressed because the twins are still learning. Yeah. So I try to take care of myself because recently I was in a um, training program and they're like, fill your cup first. So that's kind of what sticks in my brain. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, you have to be selfish before you can be selfless. And, and exactly. that's, that's, that's really important. Um, mm -hmm. 
to kind of learn that lesson in the beginning part of this journey yeah. so that you, you get into that habit of um, maintaining yourself, you know, cause yep. you want to be around as long as you can for your kids and uh, self-care is, is so, so important. So it's easy to get exhausted from mm-hmm. your day. Um, your children start out the day just sucking the energy from you. <laughs> you lose your patience at eight o'clock in the morning. We've only been up for an hour. So instead of being exhausted at the end of my day and then trying to fit in a workout when my kids refuse to go to sleep or they have to come out and find me every five minutes because they're anxiety stricken or something ridiculous. Mm -hmm. I'm just, you know, I got to get up before everybody else. So I get me time in first because no one else is going to be taking care of me. No one else is going to be taking care of my family. I need to take care of me so that I can take care of my family. Yeah. That's a, that's a solid lesson. People got to, got to take care of yourselves. Um, is there anything that you wanted to like any, any, parting pearls of wisdom that you want to share with people listening? I think we covered most of it. Um, I don't really think I have anything to say except for just to think about this in a different way. Just don't just willy nilly grab things off of Amazon. Ooh, that's cool. I think that'll be great. And then you just plop it someplace in your house Let's think about this strategically. If you're going to be doing, you know, a renovation to a room or a house that costs money, let's not waste money doing it the wrong way and creating more work for yourself because getting all that done takes time. It might also take effort on your part. If you're going to be doing it yourself, we don't have time to mess it up. Our kids don't have, they don't allow the time. We need to do it right. We need to do it right the first time and save yourself aggravation and money. I, I've, <laughs> it's so, it, well, this is so, just cause it's so relatable to, to my kid's room right now. I keep, you keep saying these things and I keep thinking about, <laughs> I have their room envisioned and uh, now I have ammunition. See guys, Wendy says, <laughs> and and then I can throw you under the bus <laughs> sure. be like, it works guys. See, there's a rhyme and reason for everything. Um, <laughs> I will make sure that I put all of your, uh, your website, all uh, the Facebook group, if you want. Um, the Facebook group, definitely. Thank you. That will, so, so the people can connect and maybe join the group and uh, learn something that makes their oh, lives yeah. oh, and their yeah. kids There's lives better going out every day. I try to do like a, a theme for the week. This week has been time management and um, executive function. Um, but we, there's tons of helpful information in there. Totally free to be in there. Just learn and spread the word. Awesome. And I, and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll connect with you offline about, I, I have some ideas with what you're doing and helping to get that okay. word out. Cause Beautiful. I've not seen something like that before. And it, it always fascinates me when I find something that is so practical <laughs> and, it, and it's like, nobody's thought of it before. And so uh, that's an excellent resource uh, for parents. So thank you for 
thinking Thank to you. do that. Yeah. All righty. Well, uh, you guys stay safe. You know, hopefully things don't get too crazy up up north. Um, we will. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be in touch. This will go out in a in a in a few weeks, probably. So. Okay. Um. Yeah. Wonderful talking to you. Great to get to know you. My best to you and your family. Tell your husband you. we said hello from Ohio. And uh, awesome. Have a great, what is it, Thursday? Yeah. Thursday. Have a great Thursday. <laughs> you too. Thank you. All right. We'll see you. Bye. All right. Bye. Before I close things out, I want to just take a second and say thank you, Wendy, for taking the time to come on the show. Thank you for being kind of a guinea pig. Uh, well, actually totally being a guinea pig for this whole process uh, is, is you were the, f- the first person to go through this. Uh, I think it was an awesome experience for me. It was, a, it was a pleasure to get to know you and your family. I really appreciate how you so openly shared about the challenges that you and your husband face, especially as parents, um, the obstacles that you have overcome, the kind of outside the box thinking that helps you to kind of navigate some of the uh, struggles that are associated with uh, raising an autistic child. You know, you talked about school and, and all those things. And, and I did not know that something like interior design for people with autism existed. I knew there were things in like airports and, uh, I, I did that thing with uh, Doubletree, uh, Hilton down in, uh, Orlando earlier in the year. Cause they did, uh, they became autism certified. And so I'm aware of that. I did not know there was a place for parents to go to. Uh, or reach out to, to get help designing a room that is, you know, designed to be welcoming, comforting, calming uh, for people on the autism spectrum. That is such a brilliant idea. It is so needed. I will make sure that all of the information for Wendy is in the show notes below. So you guys can check out the Facebook page, uh, join her group, have conversations, ask questions, get advice, all kinds of positive things. So uh, check it out below. Thank you very much, Wendy. My best to you and your family. Uh, as always, you can find me at theautismdad.com. All of my uh, social links are at the top of the page. Subscribe to this podcast on any one of your favorite podcast listening apps. And uh, if you get a second and you haven't already done so, please uh, rate this podcast. I really appreciate that. Uh, also, please, 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 please wear a mask, social distance, wash your hands, listen to your public health care professionals. They are there to keep us alive. Please be safe. Please be smart. Uh, have a safe weekend. And I will talk to you guys next Friday. Thanks. Bye. Autistic kids can sometimes struggle to learn new skills, such as riding a bike, reading, or simply having a conversation to a high level of proficiency and automaticity. Brainiac is a brain enhancement program that gets to the root of the problem. It builds stronger brain and body connections that elevate learning capacity within four to six months. Brainiac cross-trains motor movement, visual, auditory, and cognitive thinking connections using fun, interactive video games. Strength and connections allow kids to learn new skills and perform them automatically with more confidence and greater independence. Brainiac is for homes and schools. Visit canoe.com, that's K-I-N-U-U dot com, and be sure to use the code THEAUTISMDAT at checkout to save $500. It's a limited time offer and it will expire on May 31st.